You're listening to The Word on Long Beach. And now, Jackie Ray. Welcome back to The Word on Long Beach, brought to you by The Long Beach Post. I'm your host, Jackie Ray. We have got an interesting topic to start off the show with. I don't want to say interesting, but very important to the city of Long Beach, and that is back to school. Uh, Myself, Mike G., and Thomas, we covered the protest, the Long Beach School Board protest regarding vaccines and masks. We're going to touch on that. Um, But first, I want to say kudos to me because I suckered Thomas into being on the show. I have tried to get him on the show before, and he has dodged me. So I'm excited that he's here. He was covering. He did the photos and whatnot that you saw with regards to the protest at the Long Beach School Board. But Mike G., he covers a lot of our school stuff for us, especially the sports. You also have kids in school. So touch on what it's like going back to school after this pandemic. Uh, first of all, congrats on getting Thomas. Right. I've been trying to get Thomas <laughs> on something and he never says yes to me. So you you got the secret. Um, I don't even know how it happened. I just realized it just now. He, he's been dodging me and I did it. <laughs> he's, a, he's a strictly behind the camera guy yeah. usually. Right. For, um, I prefer to be behind the camera. Yeah. I'm not... Uh, you know, the school district closed uh, campuses uh, along with, you know, everyone else, March 13th, 2020. Um, they opened for a half day for, you know, uh, about 30,000 students went back for that last spring. Um, but the district has 69,000 students. So most kids have not been in school since the pandemic began. Um, and so Tuesday, uh, I dropped my kids off. I have a kindergartner and a third grader uh, in the district um, and then was able to go around to four or five different schools. And there was just so much joy from the kids getting to see their friends, the parents being excited to, you, you know, you feel, I feel a little bit as a parent, like, okay, we've made it through this important part of the pandemic that my kids can see their friends, they can sort of resume that part of their life because, you know, quite frankly, you know, if you have friends that go to bars or go to sports games or whatever, everyone else has gotten back to so whatever is the most important part of their life, they've been able to find some kind of a way to do it. And and that was really the first day for kids. So um, I know there was some anxiety for some people. My wife and I were definitely a little worried. You know, our kids are too young to be vaccinated. So they're just, they're there, they're in masks. Um, they did come home and report everyone was being good about it, you know, in the classroom. I don't think the kids notice them at this point. Mine don't. Um, so yeah, but but on the whole overwhelming joy from parents, I know for me of, my kids get to sort of get back to their life and I get to get back to not having them sitting as close as we are right now right. while I'm doing my job for a year and a half, which was very interesting. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I think the interesting thing from what you just said, when we talk about kids, they adapt so well. I mean, yes. they'll pretty much, if you let them wear their favorite Spider-Man costume to school every day, they will totally do that. If you tell them, hey, you've got to wear a mask to school every day, they will do that as well. I think the resistance comes from the parents, obviously. Did you yeah. have any, did you experience any parents resistant to that? Um, yeah, as far as the kids, I always make the joke, like kids think they should be in their underwear. Right. Like, like the, you know what I mean? Like, like my third grade, my kindergartner, it's like, yeah, you have to wear the shirt and the pants and the socks <laughs> and the shoes. That's like as big of a deal as a mask. It's just another thing their parents are making them do. So they never, we never told them it was something to complain about, so they have never complained about right. it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, I did not personally see that. Um, I did hear there was one protester at Wilson High School who was standing there with a sign saying, you know, you're being controlled or something. Um, but I think in terms of the actual school, I didn't really see that. And I even saw a lot of the people who um, had been really vocal, vocally opposed to masks or 
to you know the, the school district requesting the kids get the vaccine when they're over 12. A lot of those people sort of put that aside for opening day and we're just like, this is great that they're back. We were fighting all last year to get them back in school and they're there. Um, so I think everyone, for the most part, put the signs down and everyone just had a day of communally in every neighborhood in the city enjoying that you know kids had the opportunity to be back. I mean, that's great because it's kids. And I just think whatever your opinions are, let the kids be kids, let them have a good first day and school year, prayerfully, we can get through the whole entire school year. But I do want to backtrack with that being said, because we, the three of us covered the protests at the Long Beach School Board with the you know, anti-vaxxers and the anti-maskers. And I just got to say, just from a professional standpoint, that was amazing to have the inside coverage from you. Thomas was getting the pictures. I was getting the interviews. And from a professional to level, to have that team yeah. full coverage was fantastic. Um, being outside, though, it was a little different. I, you know, I was kind of jealous that you got to be inside. Uh, I felt like Thomas and I were in the lion's den. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We should, we should have switched. Yeah. Front right? lines were out there in yeah. the front lines. Yeah. yeah there, so I just wanted to kind of give, uh, for those of you who follow me on social media, which you should, you can DM me if you have any ideas about things that are going on in your community at Jerry the Fanatic. I had a visceral reaction to um, something that I posted, but I want to kind of divert to an incident that happened while we were there to Thomas. So because we wanted to get out this coverage so quickly, editing video, as you know, not the easiest thing in the world, kind of time consuming. So Thomas had suggested that I take a break, go up and then kind of start the editing. Yeah. I think I was up in, in his truck for maybe 45 seconds tops. I think yeah. I had time to yeah. unlock the yeah. door, flip my laptop open and get the SD card in before I heard this whole commotion. So I decided to get out the car and film the commotion. And it took me another maybe minute before I realized, holy crap, Thomas is in the middle of the commotion. There was like a, a guy that was just kind of, you know, chasing after him. So yeah, can you was, kind of tell us how that started? He was a little aggressive. Uh, basically, there was a parent that said something. The majority of the parents there were anti-maskers, anti-vaxxers. Um, there was a parent who said something that they didn't like. So when she came out, um, all these other people were starting to rush her. Um, so she kind of hid behind me because I was shooting these photos of these parents starting to, you know, scream and yell. So she kind of stepped behind me. And so... For safety. For safety. <laughs> so I just stood there. Um, and then this one parent just started getting in my face, uh, calling me a liar. And this other gentleman had to step between us, and then Jackie came to my rescue. I and did. Yeah, you did. I, um, so. My personality, I'm not a confrontational person, but I'm not non-confrontational. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't really say much if someone... Well, that was the face. part I that just, got me, is Thomas you know, literally so. said nothing. And with every moment that he, you said nothing... Yeah the gentleman became more infuriated. Right. Yeah. And it was so. just, there was no win in that situation. It, was, it wasn't like you could say nothing and he would calm down. It wasn't right. like you could say something and diffuse it. There was absolutely no win in that situation. Right. Right. So right. all right. I did was simply stand between Thomas and the gentleman. And then he just 
called me all I, biased journalism. I was lying. I'm like, I haven't even done anything. Right, I've just been right. filming. Like, right. what am I lying about at this point? <laughs> we're just, we're just so, telling the story, man. You know, we're just and, telling the story. And then he was just very infuriated with the situation. And then I, I had a gentleman that I interviewed, which if you guys saw the story on YouTube, that I had already experienced at the um, Joints for Jabs. Right, right, right. Super right. aggressive gentleman. He, at that point, he came with like a big graph, and I didn't, I did not interview him at that time because, to be honest, I was, I didn't feel like I was the safest. I, did, I was there by myself, you know. So I just, yeah, I passed on the interview for safety reasons. Right. But now I was at this point where Thomas was there. You were inside the sheriff's department, which, by the way, did not intervene in Thomas's situation. Yeah, but they kind of, they kind of took. They kind of just let that play out, but. <laughs> Still, there was a level of safety. So when I interviewed him, I, I have to admit I was taken aback personally with his viewpoint because to, in his viewpoint, freedom trumps the safety of your fellow man. Right. And that threw me off. I just, that was, in my opinion, the most non-patriotic thing you could possibly say <laughs> because right, I right, think right, right. when I think of patriotism, I think it's a caring about your fellow American. Sure. And that's not what he said. So I was kind of taken aback by that. So I posted that on my Instagram and I basically said that, which caused this visceral reaction from a group of people who on, on my Instagram, you can't comment unless I follow you. I thought it was funny until they attacked me on LinkedIn and then they started emailing the Long Beach Post wanting me fired. They went to LinkedIn? LinkedIn. Which I didn't even know people were using LinkedIn like social media. <laughs> I thought LinkedIn was like a professional thing yeah. where you went to go get a job right, and then right, right, right. all of a sudden I get all these these notifications from LinkedIn that says you've got notified and I'm like really I'm thinking people are offering me a job or something <laughs> I go on there and there's all these people that have commented I started getting DMs on my Instagram that said can't wait till we see you in public you're gonna have to cover another school so I took that just, as a threat just, yeah just threatening you and just coming at you yeah and so at that point it becomes okay I have to tell my boss about this because I am going to cover other things in Long right. Beach and I am probably going to run across these people again yeah. and now it's a level of safety I I'm going to encounter these people again right. how do you maintain safety with people you've already agitated and to be quite frank I might not even remember by the time I get to my next story yeah right I'm gonna be in a whole different you mindset to 40 other people right. Else, right so now that that's that is my thing how do I continue on doing my job that I love ever so much and in a city I, I love knowing that there's these like not even a handful maybe four people right right right, right, right. that feel this way about me so it's it's that's why I wanted to see what it was like because I knew you were going to the school where these people were so yeah well I think that's the I mean first of all I it it's difficult for me to remain calm hearing that that happened to you and that that happened in our city um, but from a from a media perspective, I think that's the challenge of covering these issues is, you know, like you said, like those are four people and they're, I, I talked to, to Melissa, you know, my, who's, who edits me at the Post about how to cover that school board meeting. I said, look, there's some real news that was broken here about, okay, they're going to be testing students. They hadn't said they were going to do that before. Mm -hmm. um, there's also this sort of parade of people coming in, some of whom are, I mean, one of whom was a science teacher in the school district. Yeah to say just this vile stuff towards school board members, towards the people who worked in um, the school district. And some of them were, you know, some of them were respectful. They're just, I don't think we should be doing this. And some of them are saying stuff where I'm like, I, I genuinely don't know what the sort of moral answer is um, because it's like, it, it's absolutely newsworthy and noteworthy that 
these school board meetings, which I've covered for a long time, they're boring meetings. I mean, I, just to be completely honest, they're almost always unanimous vote yes mm -hmm. votes on everything. Um, and I'm I, I'm not a journalist who complains. That's good with me. You know, mm -hmm. boring's good. Like keep everything going and and move move things along. Um, it's noteworthy and it's reflective maybe of something about our community that people would do this at a school board meeting. So to not cover it doesn't seem honest, but it also doesn't seem honest to, to cover it too much because as we said, like then I, you look Tuesday, 68,000 kids go back to school, mm -hmm. only 1,000 opted to stay home this year. And you know I've heard reports of a total of one protester, right? So it's just, and Jill Baker, when we had her on, she's the Long Beach Unified School District Superintendent. She did a live stream with us um, at the Post. And she said, she's like, I think we have um, a very small minority of people who are very vocally against the masks and the vaccines. And we have a very small vocal minority who, who think that we shouldn't be in school at all and who are really angry about that, about mm -hmm. you should keep everything closed till everyone's vaccinated. And she's like, but we think most, the vast majority of people are in the middle and they don't yell at reporters right. and they don't, right? And so it, it's it's difficult to cover because you, you, it's hard to, it's self-selecting the group of people that's getting in your face or that's writing emails to news outlets, et cetera. So um, I struggle with that a lot just because we're talking about not the city council with however many people, and we're talking about a school district with 69,000 students, at least 69,000 parents, right? Mm -hmm. 12,000 employees. And it's difficult to, without spending $100,000 on polling, right. really see what the actual mood of all those people mm -hmm. is, you know? So I, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a big challenge. And like you said, it, it does absolutely affect. Um, we're all, uh, you know, I think that we're all non-biased, uh, unbiased, and, and we take the facts as they come in, but you're also a human being. Right. And, th and pretending that you're not a human being is not a way forward in honest ethical journalism either, right? right. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's been a challenge for us as sports writers. We've heard stuff from people that we've known for a long time, too, where you're just mm -hmm. like, I've said to a couple kind of friends of mine, like, you know, when you're posting about the media does this and this, you know, I'm the media, right? <laughs> I mean, I babysat your kids. My kids play at your house. Like, I'm the media. I'm right. the, the longest tenured sports writer in the city of Long Beach. Like, when you talk about the mainstream media here, you are talking about me, your friend. And I think just for the public's sake, it's very important to realize, number one, we are human beings. So I don't think any of us are saying that we don't have opinions. However, we are professionals at the same time. So those opinions come out when on the ride home. But when we when we write the story, we're just there to say this happened, this happened, this happened. Here you go. Yeah, I mean, I'm comfortable in a in a, a opinion-based conversation like this. I'm mm -hmm. very comfortable saying my wife and I got vaccinated as soon as we could. We'll get our kids vaccinated as soon as we can. Um, the numbers are all very clear. I have faith in those numbers. I don't believe that the Long Beach Health Department or the LA County Health Department are engaged in a conspiracy of any kind mm -hmm. when they say that 99% of people who are in the hospital are unvaccinated. I have several friends who are either ER nurses or intensive care nurses. They've told me the same thing. They've told me a number of stories about people who are going into the ICU who were asking to be vaccinated in that moment mm -hmm. that they had to explain to those people. That's not how it works. You know, like if you'd been vaccinated in the several months that it was right. available, you wouldn't be here right now, but you're here now. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, that informs the way I see the world, but um, we've, I've quoted people in stories and we've covered coaches who, you know, who believe that the vaccine is a hoax or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I've never said, said this person who's crazy, you know, right. I mean, I, that's, I, I, that's not my job. And 
Um, we report those things accurately, just as the people who email self-select for people who are vocal in email, mm -hmm. journalists are self-selecting for people who believe in evidence and facts. I mean, right. that's what we're all in the business of at the end of the day. So um, there aren't a lot of mainstream media members who believe that the vaccine is a hoax because it's not. Right. <laughs> so if you guys have listened to this show before, I had Sebastian on um, not too long ago because he's Latino and obviously I'm black. And so our communities are the ones that are getting it, you know, the vaccine least of anyone. Those numbers are starting to change slowly. But, you know, I explained, I totally understand being leery of anything the government says, here, take this freely. I 100% right. I understand that, especially when you're talking about the black community and all the medical things that have happened to us yeah. present day, not even talking about historically. Right. But I will tell you the moment that I got the vaccine. It's a funny story. I think I've told <laughs> Thomas this story. So I was out covering the joints for jab. And at this point, I had made it up in my mind that I was going to wait a year because I just wanted to see if there was any side effects. Right. So I was going to wait a year. You I wanted wasn't... to see if I had an arm growing out of right. my head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly where I thought the arm was going to grow, too. <laughs> so I was like, let me just see. Right. But then as I was out covering that, I realized in that moment that me saying I'm leery of the vaccine doesn't translate as, oh, she's just a little worried. She's a little precautious. It automatically put me in the anti-vaxxer group. Right. And when I saw the anti-vaxxer come and how aggressive and how nonsensical it, some of the things he was saying was, I was like, well, I can't be in that group. Right. It really, it really wasn't any, any other sort of scientific right, thing that right, pushed me right. over. I was like, I can't be in that group. Here's my arm. Put it in. But that's why I, I can respect everyone's opinion. However, at the end of the day, I do think the most patriotic thing we can do is look out for each other right, and right, eradicate right, right. this vac this this virus as soon as possible. I right. think that's the most patriotic thing but we can do. I, well, thank you guys so much for joining us. This was a, a good roundtable. I think we should definitely cover more things as a team in the future, and then therefore you would get more roundtables with us in the future. Thomas is going to talk more. I. Promise. I promise he won't. <laughs> I know. listen to Mike on this one. I'm just putting it out there in the universe to, for a maybe. But up next, we have our editor that's going to talk with us as well. So stay with us. The Word on Long Beach is brought to you by Community Hospital Long Beach. Community Hospital is now open, serving the community since 1924 and singularly focused on providing patients with the very best in healthcare services. Community Hospital, restored, reopened, reimagined. And Cambrian Home Care. Cambrian Home Care has been assisting individuals to stay independent in their homes for 25 years. Flexible experience you can trust when the best place is still at home. To learn more, please visit cambrianhomecare.com. Beach, brought to you by the Long Beach Post. And as promised, I have one of my editors from the Long Beach Post. He's an editor and a columnist. Tim Grobady is here with us. Hey, Tim. Did I say hey. your last name right? You said it Close one, one of several ways. One of several ways. <laughs> That's good Perfect. to be here. Thank you. I, this, You know, I usually do um, meet the staff and I haven't had Tim on so uh, for that yet, but we have something very special. But before we get to that, how long have you been with the Long Beach Post? Been here for three years. Three years. You know, and 
I worked at the Press Telegram for 42 years. Wow. And then I slid over here with everybody else. Yeah. It seemed like we stole a lot of people, but. Yeah. So for those of you who somehow might have overlooked this, um, Saturday, next Saturday is, well, this coming Saturday is September 11th, 9-11, a huge point in our history. Um, I was in school when it happened. I will not tell you if it was high school or college, but I was in school when it happened. Totally freaked me out. I actually thought it was a movie when I saw <laughs> it on television because I'm such a, like, I like those kinds of movies. So I was like, oh, this is going to be a great movie. And then when my, I realized how freaked out my mom was, I was like, wait, <laughs> wait a minute. This is not, this is real life. I think I was like a lot of Americans, even at that age where something like that happening on American soil just seemed impossible to me. So but here we are, twenty years later. I know what you mean by the movie is because watching watching live TV then, mm -hmm. you know, the crayon on the bottom, saying you know, plane killed, you know, crashes right. in the building, all that. It looked like one of those fake mm -hmm. movie newscasters. Exactly. You know. And I was a huge X Files fan at the time, and for those of you who might have been an X Files fan person, they had a almost exact scenario like that played out on X-Files, I think maybe three years earlier. Mm -hmm. So me being a diehard fan, I was just like, oh, okay, they made a movie. Yay. Great effects. Right. So it was one of those moments in time that it's also fascinating to me that there are a lot of people that now live under this regime of things that are different, especially when it comes to flying, that now that's just normal for them. But still for mm -hmm. me, every time I have to go through an TSA and then I have to think, oh my gosh, did I, is my lotion too big? Did I bring proof? Like, all of that was not a thing back in the no, day. No, you can thank the terrorists for that. I know. <laughs> but my mom used to be able to walk me to my gate. Not a thing now. Right. People who are probably listening to, what? So you have been kind of revisiting this and speaking to some veterans. So what are some of the things that you found? Well, we decided, yes, it's the 20th anniversary of the terrorist attack on the World Trade Center. But at about that time, it was a revenge war. We went into war with Afghanistan mm -hmm. in that lasted 20 years. So we're kind of concentrating more on the war in Afghanistan since that's more in the news these days and uh, rather than just rehash people's memories of 9-11, right. like, oh, I was there. I remember seeing it on TV. I remember my mom called me, blah, blah, blah. It's been done every three years Absolutely. or so since 9-11. Mm -hmm. So we talked to um, some veterans of the Afghan war and they've been very good. Uh, we uh, Thomas Cordova, our photographer and videographer, has been working with me on this. And uh, we have a big project coming out on 9-11 on Saturday, uh, interviewing the, the veterans and getting their feelings about the Afghan war. So what is some, is there an overall theme or is there anything that stood out to you specifically when interviewing the veterans? Well, we we all talked on, on several similar subjects uh, like suicide, mm. which is huge. Um, it's a staggering statistic, 22 veteran suicides a day. I'm sorry, a day? A day, yes. I, I kind of choked on that. Oh, my gosh. And so yeah, they had very strong feelings about that. Um, most of them have, have considered it at some point in their life, but for various reasons uh, decided against it, try to improve themselves. One of them said, you know, we were in the Army for four or five years, but we can live till we're 80, so why throw away the next 50 years? Mm -hmm. You know, make your make the best of those, and, and, uh, and they're... They're brave people, and they're they're carrying on. Uh, you know, they don't want to do, they don't want to kill themselves because of the pain it leaves the survivors. And, uh, right? So, Did yeah. they tell you what kind of pain they're in specifically, though? 
it's mostly just haunting, you know, you, you flashbacks, things you didn't saw over there. Mm-hmm. And also the feeling of coming back to life here. When you're in the service, it's very regimented. You follow orders, you know what your mission is every day, you know what's going on, do this, do this, do this. And now you're kind of free floating in this strange, the culture here is very strange once you've been in Afghanistan for for several years. Right. You got supermarkets, you got it's like horrible, horrible freedom. Um, That's interesting. And so they're, they're, they're bothered by a lot of those things. And it's also kind of a, a thing that's drilled into you, the, uh, kind of the savagery of being a soldier. They tend to, to commit suicide with their firearm, not so much pills or mm, exhaust mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. asphyxiation. So they live by the gun and die by the gun. Did any of them touch on things that, we as a country or maybe the military could have done better when they came back to maybe help them transition back into society a little bit? Um, I don't think we got that far. We pretty much just ended it when the war ended. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of them were very dissatisfied with the way it ended. Mm. Um, some more than others. Some thought it was, you know, it's best just to end it and whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but others... Especially the, the the thirteen who got killed at the airport right. really hurt all these people very much. They're very uh, bothered by that, struck by that. So when they see when they're watching the news and they're seeing, because for someone like me, it's it's probably a little easier to pick and choose what I want to take in for the day. Sometimes mm-hmm. the news is pretty sad for me, so sometimes I'm like, okay, I don't, I'm, I've had my limit, my fill for today. But when you've been over there and you see it. Afghanistan come across your TV, I I would assume that for them, they're automatically invested and automatically have an opinion about what's going on. Well, they have an opinion, but I don't think they want to be reminded of it. Mm. Uh, uh, One guy, uh, uh, an army ranger uh, that we talked to, didn't want to watch Joe Biden's speech ending the war. He said he just didn't want to see it. Mm. Um, Did he feel like we shouldn't have? Ended the war, or I think he was—he was one who didn't like the way it ended. He thought we could have done a better job of getting out, out of Afghanistan mm-hmm. if we had planned it better, and if we hadn't told the Taliban, "Hey, here's the date we're leaving." Um, you know, it's just kind of a, an intelligence goof, right? Sounds like a leak. Um, when you and so they it sped up the Taliban's takeover. They said, "Well, they're, they're leaving anyhow. They're not mm-hmm. going to stop this. Let's just go." And right. so he was—he was. He was fairly, I wouldn't say he was angry. I think he was sad and he just didn't want to mess with watching it on TV. Mm-hmm. They weren't, they, as a rule, they weren't political. They weren't Trumpers or or anti-Bush or anti-Obama or anything. It was just, it's politics and they were just doing what they were told to do. I think that's, my dad was in the Air Force for 25 years and I think that's kind of a military thing. It's your commander in chief, you're, and you're in the military, you follow certain orders. And I, I found that that's the overall theme. Even when I would talk to my dad about certain stuff, I'm like, do you, like, he's the commander in chief. He would just kind of write it off as, as that. There was no real, um, he definitely had the same kind of thing though. He had definite opinions about what the way war should and should not happen, but no right. real opinion about who was in office when it happened. Right. Yeah. They're very familiar with the tactics mm-hmm. involved with, with war, mm-hmm. but the politics, they just say, well, it's, still going on. Let's just kill some terrorists. Right. What were some of the other things that they kind of touched on when you, when you were interviewing them? Um, 
some of them were, were bothered by their experience. Some of them were uh, happy for the experience. Uh, there was a um, Marine Corps uh, corporal who talked about how the war is bad mm-hmm. for people, but he said it was good for him. Mm. It gave him a lot of confidence. He, he feels a lot more confident now. He's seen what how he reacts to chaos and mayhem. And it makes him feel like, well, you know, I've, I've been through that and nothing's going to hurt me over here, even though, <laughs> but even right. though it can. But, um, and he knows that too. He says, well, I, you know, anybody can be touched. It's, mm-hmm. Nobody's invincible. But he says he feels a lot more confident about it. Um, I think others are more disturbed by it, kind of tortured by it. Uh, we haven't talked to any women yet. We're talking to one uh, early next week. Um so I'm, I'm going to be anxious to hear what she has to say about the experience. I, I would definitely be anxious to hear that. That article is coming out on Saturday, which is 9-11. So make sure you check that out because I I just know women in general have an entirely different experience. Oh, they have the, extra problems besides that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> they have internal problems. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm anxious to hear what she has to say. And I'm anxious to hear if she's forthcoming with some of the internal problems that she had. Because I know some a lot of women, and it's the same for civilians. They're hesitant to say certain things because they don't want to be judged right. by their experience. So thank you so much, Tim. You guys sure. make sure you check that article out because it's going to be enlightening. And I think it's important for us to remember that too, because here we are, 9-11 coming up. And like Tim said, we want to rehash that. But there are people who are still touched by this right now. And I think they need to have our focus as well, because like Tim said, sometimes transitioning back into normal society, we take that for granted. Um, but it's a it's a big deal for a lot of people. So I'm glad you brought that to light. And you guys make sure you check out that story on Saturday. And the videos. The videos are very, very good. Yes. And Thomas was just all over the show today. He was in our first segment talking about what happened at the school board. And now you're going to get to see his videos on Saturday. So, yay, look, I snuck him in here as well. He yeah. didn't want to be on the show. He's in. I got you. I got Thomas. I did a good job this week. I'm just going to pat myself on the shoulder. <laughs> I did a great job this week. But you guys, thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget that this podcast is here for you. If there's anything happening in your community or anything you have questions about that you want a little bit more investigation on, please feel free to email me directly at Jackie at LBpost.com or you can go to and find me on social media at jraythefinale.com and DM me there. And I promise you, I will get to it. Once again, this is The Word on Long Beach and we will see you next week.